morning, church. Good morning. Um, I just want to start by saying thank you so much to Pastor Mark and um, Pastor Cheryl for letting me come back. As he said, I think it was about 10 years ago because I started Cambridge um, in 2007. I think the first term um, I went around, as you do, trying to look for a church. And I think the second term, so around this time, 10 years ago, I came into Faith Life. So it is amazing that 10 years on, um, God has brought me back to remember. And I just thank God so much because obviously coming from home, London, looking for the right church was so important. And it was here that I spent three years where I grew. I brought my friends. I brought so many students to come along. And we had so, some wonderful times. And even now, when I encounter my testimony, there's so many moments that were in faith life, in the services, where we really had a good time with the Holy Spirit. So I really thank God for Pastor Mark. He even came to bless us at our wedding. He came to preach. He came all the way to London to preach at our wedding. So you've got a great man of God here who's faithful in the ministry. And 10 years on, it's great to see some familiar faces as well. So I just thank God for that. Um, and then obviously my pastors at home in London who've released me and my husband to come, I thank them as well. So um, I just want us to pray before we get into the word. So if you don't mind just closing your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for this time of fellowship. I thank you, O oh God, that you have brought me back to Cambridge to come and share your word. I pray, O oh God, that you will use me as a vessel to speak your word, O oh God. I pray that that word that you have given me, O oh God, will not be a word, just an ordinary word, but it will be a word that comes to bring life, O oh God, life to the people who are sitting here expectantly waiting to hear from the very throne room of grace in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God, that my, my word that I bring today, O oh God, will be a pivotal moment in someone's life today, that their prayer life will change. That someone, oh God, I'll encourage someone to start praying. I'll encourage someone to keep going in prayer. And I'll encourage someone to just push through to receive that breakthrough that they've been longing for in the name of Jesus. I thank you and I bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, how long do I have, Pastor Mark? I don't know. How long do I have? Just, just so I don't. Oh, okay. Okay. Hopefully it won't take that long to deliver this message. But um, I just want us to, um, my message is all about prayer. I received that anointing. Everyone's like, no, Jenny, stop. No, um, I'm going to be talking about prayer. And actually, my message is packed with a lot of things. But it's just, I just, it's just pray. Just pray. And um, I want us to just turn to James chapter 5, verse 13. Um, you're going to have to excuse me. I love the Amplified version. So if you guys don't have Amplified, just you just follow. Follow me. Hi, Les. Just some of, my, some of my family from 10 years ago, just have to acknowledge them. And obviously my husband is here to support me. He's um, a pastor in our, in our church. He, we pastor the youth together. So thank you, babes, for coming to support me. Um, so James chapter 5, verse 13. Um, so I'll read. So I hope everyone's there. James chapter 5, verse 13. I'll read in the Amplified, but feel free to follow in your version. Is anyone among you suffering? He must pray. Is anyone joyful? He is to sing praises to God. Is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders, spiritual leaders of the church, and they, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours 
with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three and a half years and six months. Amen. Amen. So here the Bible is telling us that, and making it very clear that the solution, if you are suffering, if you are sick, if you are in sin, is to pray. And sometimes we pray. I've been a Christian. I got saved when I was 16 years old. So I've been saved now for 13 years. And sometimes, I know from experience, so sometimes you pray and you don't see some of the results that you're looking for. But the Bible is very clear here that every single thing that we need, literally prayer is the key. And what I love about it is that it's saying that usually we focus, well, I usually focus on from verse 16 when it says, you know, the prayer of the effective, the effective prayer of the righteous man will availeth much and, you know, focus on Elijah. But actually preceding that, the Bible says that if you are suffering, you must pray. If you are in pain, distress, anxiety, worry, distress, pray. If you are sick, if you are ill, mentally ill, you are going through anything, the Bible says call for the elders to pray. And then it also goes on to say, if you are in sin, so if you've committed something wrong, if you, you know, have backslidden, whatever it is, the Bible is saying pray. And then he takes us to Elijah. And actually before that, he says that the heartfelt and persistent prayer of the righteous the believer, those that believe in Jesus, availeth much and will accomplish much. And then it goes on to say, Elijah was a man just like you and me. So when you're fasting, you know, sometimes you fast, we're hungry. Elijah felt hungry when he had to fast. You know, sometimes when you want to pray before you go to bed and then the sleep comes upon you and you just fall. Elijah was tired like you. Elijah, every physical, spiritual, mental limitation that we have as human beings, it says that Elijah had this exactly the same. But then yet when he prayed for it not to rain, it didn't rain on the whole earth for three and a half years. And when he prayed at his word that it should rain again, then it rained again. So why is it that someone like Elijah, who is just like you and just like me, was able to pray and things changed? Like he was recorded in the word that it says, so God is giving us a blueprint that anything that you are going through, sickness, suffering, distress, anxiety, depression, pray. But then he says, but Elijah was just like you and he prayed and had results. So why is it that sometimes you pray and it's still like, you know, your children haven't changed, your finances haven't changed, things are just not shifting and moving. But God, what I love is that he's giving us an example um, of what to do. And the other day I was reading my word and I read it, I think in Psalms 32 verse 8, where it says that the Bible will, will instruct us. It says that the Bible will instruct us and teach us what to do. So what I love about God is that he doesn't just give us instructions where he says, do this, but he actually says that he will teach us. So like a teacher, they can tell you, oh, do algebra, but that's not a good teacher. A teacher will sit down and show you how to do it and show you how to work out the problem and show you how to get to the solution. And God is exactly the same. So God is not a God that just sits on a throne and says, people do this and that. He comes down to actually give us the Holy Spirit and to teach us the way to, to see results in our lives. Amen. And God is the same God of Elijah. So if Elijah prayed to a God and it didn't rain, you are, he's the same God that we pray to today. God has not changed. In Malachi chapter 3, it says, that, it says that, for I am the Lord and I do not change. So if thousands of years ago, just like the man who came, who came and said um, that, you know, prayers from generations ago, it's the same God. It's the same, same God who Elijah prayed to and it did not rain. So today, when we pray, Things have to happen. As um, Pastor Mark was saying that he's not stopping until he sees what the disciples saw. Because it's the same God. Exactly the same God. So why when we pray and we don't see anything, we stop. And we get complacent or we just 
We just don't do anything. So I'm here to encourage someone to get on their knees and start praying. Old people, young people, whoever, start praying. Or I'm here to encourage someone to keep on praying. Maybe there's something that you've been praying for years. Don't stop. Or maybe someone literally, you're at the brink of your breakthrough and you just need to continue. So I'm just here for, to, to encourage you just to pray. And what James chapter 5 verse 16 is saying is that the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So number one, there's a type of prayer that yields results. There's, so he's saying that there's the, the heartfelt and persistent. So some prayers that are not heartfelt and there's some prayers that are not persistent. They're just hopeful, God, please, you know, protect me. There's, there's, no, there's no passion in your prayer. But the Bible is making it clear that there's a type of prayer that yields results. And then not only that, he, God goes further to qualify it. So there's a type of person that yields results as well. So there's a heartfelt prayer that needs to be said, but there's also a righteous man that needs to pray it. So when the two come together, that's when something powerful happens. So you can, you can, someone can pray passionately. Say the Muslims, they can pray every Friday passionately, but they're not righteous before God, so they won't yield the same results. Or someone can be very righteous and not pray, and they won't see, you know, the things that God wants to do in their lives. But God is telling us here that the heartfelt and persistent prayer, number one, of a righteous, number two, person, will avail us much. So when the two come together, then that's when power manifests. That's when stories start to change. That's when destiny starts to change. That's when rain doesn't come for three and a half years. Because a powerful, persistent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Are people understanding where I'm going with this? Yeah, so there's that, those two things have to combine and come together. So now, um, God is so faithful that he doesn't just say this statement and say, you know, it tells us that, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now go and pray. He then goes on to tell us, look at a type of person. Look at someone like Elijah, who was just like you. Every single physical, lim um, physical, spiritual, mental limitation, mentally, sometimes it's even hard for us to have the faith to pray for certain things. Elijah had those same limitations, yet he prayed and things happened. And so I'm not sure if you're all familiar with the story, but we'll, we'll go there now. So if we all go to 1 Kings chapter 18, um, verse 41, um, just to encourage you and to show you the type of prayer and the type of person that we need to be to see results. So 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Um, this month in January, actually, my church in London, we, we um, fasted for 21 days and our, our fasting was based on 1 Kings 18.41. So I've had the privilege of being able to study Elijah for the last month. And honestly, God is amazing how he could take someone like Elijah and do so much with him. And he's literally shown me so many, so much treasure in this word that hopefully you guys will catch the revelation too and hopefully will transform your prayer life. But 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Um, before we go there, I just want to give you the background story to what is happening until we get to 1 Kings 18.41. So there was a, um, a king called Ahab who had come to the throne, and he was a very evil king. Um, God said that he was, his, he was more evil than his forefathers, and that he had stopped worshipping him, and he decided to worship idols. And not only that, he took a wife called Jezebel, who was also a very wicked woman who hated God and hated the men of God and, um, and pursued and persecuted the men of God. And so Elijah in chapter 17 um, is told by God to go to Ahab and tell him that at his word, at Elijah's word, before the God that he stands, there'll be no rain, for, there'll be no rain on the land. And then until he speaks again, that's when rain will come. So Elijah goes and presents himself to King Ahab. And then God tells Elijah, you go now, go to a cave, and I'm going to feed you with 
um, by ravens. They're going to bring you meat and bread because there's going to be no rain. There's going to be famine, a severe famine. And I want to put you in hiding because Jezebel is killing all the prophets. I want you to go into hiding. So Elijah speaks to um, King Ahab, goes into hiding, goes to um, a cave, and God sends ravens to literally feed him with bread and meat. Um, and then after some time, um, the brook that he's in near the cave runs dry. And so God tells him, leave this place after having fed him by a bird. So imagine Elijah, the type of man he is. God tells him, go somewhere. Imagine you. God says, go to the city of Cambridge. Go to some you know, old college somewhere and sit there and I'll bring a bird to feed you with bread and meat. That's how, you know, this is the kind of faith that um, Elijah had. So, he, so after the brook runs dry, God then tells Elijah, go from here and go to another town. And I'm going to take you to a widow. And she's going to feed you and tend to your needs. So Elijah then goes um, to this town and he surely sees the widow. And the widow, um, he tells the widow, can you go and get me a cup of water? And she's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, actually, can you also bring me a bit of bread? And she's like, as, long, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm not lying to you, but I've only got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. I'm coming to make a little cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it and then we're going to die. We have, I have nothing to give you. So imagine God sent Elijah to a, a poor widow with nothing herself. And Elijah has obeyed and he's gone. And he says to her, look, you make me a small cake first. Make it first. So imagine you have nothing, you know, and the man of God, imagine Pastor Mark, he comes to your house, you have no food. And, he's, and you said, look, Pastor Mark, I'm just going to make something for me and my child. And he says, you make me something first and then God will tend to your needs. Um, so that's what the man of God did. He told her, make me something and then make yourself something. So she did that. And then surely God was faithful and he provided for her and the man of God for some time. And then some time passes and her son falls seriously sick, seriously sick to the point that he dies. And she goes to Elijah, she says, you've come to my house, you know, it's famine, is here. you come to my house, have I done anything but feed you? And my son, have you come to remind me of my sins, that my son is now dead? And Elijah says, he takes the son, takes him upstairs to where he's staying in the upper room and prays for him. It says that he prays for him three times. And then he basically cries out to God and say, God, restore this boy's soul. This woman has been nothing but kind to me. Restore the soul of this boy. And the Bible, I love it because it says, um, the voice of Elijah was heard by God. So God heard Elijah's very voice. You know, sometimes when you get a phone call, say like your mom calls you, you know it's her voice. You know the voice of those that you spend time with. You don't even have to ask, who is it? You know who it is. And Elijah's, Elijah was such a prayerful man that his voice was known in heaven. So it says that the voice of Elijah was heard in heaven and God restored um, the life of the boy. And then the woman is like, wow, I know that the word in your mouth is true and you are a man of God. So after that, Elijah spent, I guess, three and a half years, you know, in hiding away from Ahab and Jezebel. And then I'll fast forward the story. But God tells Elijah, go now back to Ahab and tell him that I'm going to send rain. So God gives Elijah a word. He tells him that I'm going to let it rain again. So go and present yourself to your enemy and tell him. So they will be looking for Elijah for three and a half years. So fast forward. But Elijah rocks up, basically, and um, tells um, I'm really fast-forwarding here, tells Ahab that it's going to rain. Um, after he, he does some miracles where basically he proves that God is the true God and not Baal, um, he tells Ahab, so let's go to um, verse 18, verse 41. He tells Ahab, sorry, then Elijah said to Ahab, so this is verse 41, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of 
Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and, the, and wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Amen. Amen. So in James chapter 5, this is what Paul is referring to. He's saying that it was Elijah not a man like us, that he prayed and it didn't rain on the earth for three and a half years. And then he prayed and then it rained again. And I'll break it down because maybe it's just like, okay, he prayed. But can you imagine Elijah commanded, literally he commanded nature to obey his voice and he did. And I'm here to encourage you that if we look at James chapter 5 from verse 13, it says, if any of you are suffering, pray. If any of you are sick, pray. If any of you are in sin, pray. Because was Elijah not a man like us? So some of those things may seem so trivial, like, you know, not letting it rain. But literally God is likening our, you being able to shape your situation through prayer just like that. And God is saying, look at Elijah. So one, how did Elijah, so there's a type of prayer that I said that is persistent and heartfelt. Number one, Elijah prayed, he, he had, he, his prayer was bold. His prayer was very, very bold. And what I like in, verse, in chapter 17, verse 1, is that Elijah says to Ahab, before the Lord that I stand, before whom the Lord that I stand, at my word, it will not rain. That is, that is confidence. That is confidence. That is confidence. He went before his enemy and told him that I will command literally the clouds to close up at my word. And that is a bold prayer. And the, the reason why he was bold, because he said, before the Lord that I stand, he knew he had prayed. He knew he had stand before, he had been at the throne room of grace and prayed. And some of us, sometimes we need to speak to our enemy as well and say that this sickness, no. As at my word, it will cease. Cancer, you will shrivel up and die, literally. But if you haven't prayed, you can't be, you can't be bold. And the Bible in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says that we should, um, it says that therefore let us without, um, with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear. And some of us, we disqualify even how we can come to God. Sometimes you pray some prayers that are very generic and very just like, yeah, let it be. You've got some specific things that you need to just boldly say, God, this is how I need it. I need this specific healing in this specific place. This specific thing needs to leave me. But sometimes we disqualify even how bold we can come with our requests to God because maybe you've, um, you know, you've fallen short a little bit or you, you know, you're not where you need to be maybe in your walk. But God is saying that some of your prayers, you need to be very, very bold. And even in Hebrews, it says that we do not have a high priest who doesn't know what it feels like to be human. The Bible says that Jesus, every single, even to even put Elijah to a side, Jesus felt every single weakness, limitation, temptation that he, that we feel, he felt that. And he's interceding for you. So come boldly to the throne room of grace and obtain mercy. And some of us, we don't, we don't come. And also, not even that, God hasn't really been speaking to me that recently. A lot of us, we think about prayer, but we don't pray. Like, you think about, oh, I need to pray about this, but you don't go and pray. Or like, you tell someone, oh, I'm going to pray for you. You thought in that moment, I'm going to pray for you, but you don't actually pray. That's not prayer. Prayer is actually praying. And thinking about prayer is separate. 
But it's true. Like sometimes we think too much about prayer rather than actually praying. And that's not going to result, yield any results. Because the Bible says that an effect, a, a heartfelt and persistent prayer, not a heartfelt and persistent thought about prayer will avail us much. So some of us, we just need to go boldly and start to pray. So one, number one, you need to be bold in your request to God. And one of the great testimonies that is really, um, that really shows God's glory in my life was happened here when I was in Cambridge. I was studying economics at Cambridge University and four weeks before my final exams at Cambridge. So in Cambridge, if anyone's students here, only your third year counts. First year, second year, it doesn't matter. Third year is what it goes on your certificate. I, I got struck with meningitis. I, yeah, I got struck with meningitis four weeks before my final exams. And I remember it was Easter holidays that it happened. And um, I remember going home. I remember just feeling very sick. The doctors just thought, you know, maybe you're stressed out about exams or I had a temperature. You don't have any, you, you have headaches. They just thought, oh, you know, ask me all silly questions. Are you pregnant? Are you this? I was just like, no, something is wrong with my body. So I went to A&E and I remember I was with my mum. And we have a family friend, actually, who had meningitis. So my mum, you know, some, some sicknesses and illnesses, you've heard of them, but you don't know what, you know, the extent of how serious it is. But my mum's good friend had meningitis a few years ago. And so she knew what meningitis meant, where her fingers were amputated and she was in a coma. So um, I remember my mum was with me when the nurse came and said, um, in a, we think that you've got meningitis. And I was like, meningitis. And I remember my auntie having it. I said, I looked at my mum and said, mommy, meningitis. I, and she just looked at me. And the first thing that came out of my mum's mouth was, Jenny, let every man be a liar, including your body, and God be true. That's all she said. That's all she said. I remember I looked at her like, you know when you look to someone to kind of like, Men what? She was just like, she just looked at me. She heard the nurse. The first thing that came out of her mouth, let every man be a liar, including your body, and God be true. That's all she said. She said, Jenny, she, said, she just said, Jenny, don't worry, don't, don't worry, I'll come to deal with this one in prayer. That's all, literally all she said. And then she called for my older sister to come and stay with me in the, in the A&E in the, when they had to do the lung puncture. And she said, she has got some warfare to do at home. Literally, literally, she, she went, she went boldly before her God, who she knew and said, no, not my daughter, who just her final year in Cambridge, who's be, she's been safe for, you know, I've been honoring God. Not some, you know, these Christians, I was a young, fiery Christian, not the ones that were, no, God couldn't. This can't be my story. And so one, come boldly. I'll continue with this story, so don't worry. Number two, the prayer, your prayer must be focused. And what, what I love is that when Elijah, in chapter 18, it says that Elijah went up to the top of the mountain. He bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Remember, God had already told Elijah that I'm going to send rain. He'd already given him a word. But the way that Elijah went into prayer was like he was fighting for that to happen. And sometimes we even get prophecies about your children, about your lives. And what do we do with it? We just sit there and we expect for it to happen. God has spoken, but there's no prayer. Now God has told you something, but we're just like, oh yeah, God told me that my son, he's going to be a mighty man of God. But you haven't even taken it to God in prayer. And God had already spoken to Elijah in chapter 8. He already told him, Elijah, go to Ahab and tell him that I'm going to send rain. So Elijah then goes and tells Ahab, you go and celebrate. Rain is coming. I've heard the sound of abundance of rain. But me, I'm going to pray. So Elijah then puts his head, like imagine, he puts his head between his knees. He, puts his, he, he bows to the ground, blocks out all distractions, blocks out every single type of distraction and is in focused prayer. Some of us were praying with our phone, pop-ups. We're praying, but we're in and out of, in and out of, of that's not a focused prayer. 
or just, we're so distracted by everything that's going around us that our prayer is not persistent, is not focused. And he, Elijah, I just find it amazing that God has given him a word, but the way he's praying is as if like he hadn't even heard. But sometimes we hear and then we just don't do anything with what God has told us. We just expect it to land. But God will not do anything unless his people will literally humble themselves and pray. And so even, I'm sure yesterday there was prophetic words that probably came, prophetic words that have come today where the church is like a crumpled. Don't just take that and just, oh, that's just what, pray. We need to take it into prayer. We need to literally birth these things in prayer. And that's why the Bible in James 5 says that if anyone is sick, if anyone is suffering, if anyone is sin, pray. Pray. Don't just not do anything about it because God told you you're going to get healing one day and you didn't do anything. Before I got meningitis, before I got meningitis, I actually had a dream um, just before Easter holidays. And it was a, I, ha- I had a dream and it was like I, ha- I had done a paper and it w- had been marked and it said should have been a 2-2 and is a first class. And I remember waking up and being like, 2-2, mm, that's not, that's, yeah, maybe God's just telling me I'm getting my first. I just thought, no, that's impossible, 2-2. I had no idea that I was coming to face meningitis. And so during that time, when I had meningitis, when I was in the hospital, hospitalized, all I was, I wasn't even thinking about first class. I was just thinking about my life. Like, I never had to trust God to, for, for healing before, ever. Like, you know, you obviously know God as a healer, you know God as, but until you are sick, you will never know what it's like to cling on to God as Jehovah Rapha. You would not know. And so I had to keep praying. And then when I got better, my prayer was, was just literally, God, I trust you for my first. Every single day, I was like, God, I, I thank you for my first class degree. I thank you. Even though I had seen it, it's not that I had seen it and I'd said, oh, God already showed me, so I don't need to pray. So even when you see, you need to pray. You need to be focused in your prayer, not diddly-daddling. Elijah was in one place at one time praying for the rain to come. He'd already said, I'd heard it, but now I need to see, I need to birth it in prayer. And then the next thing is that your prayer has to be consistent. Elijah, it says that Elijah went to, he, he sent his servant, he prayed. Then he sent his servant, go and check if there's anything. He said no. Then he prayed again. Then he prayed again. Then he prayed again. Then he prayed again. Then he it said that he prayed seven times and he kept sending his servant back and he, they see nothing. Some of us, after the fourth time, we give up on God. After the second time, you prayed once, you prayed twice. It's God, God's not doing it for me. My husband said something so profound this week. He said that many people think that closed doors are locked, but they need to push. You need to push. So after the fifth time, you, you stop praying. Sixth time, you stop praying. Imagine if Elijah stopped praying on that sixth time. Imagine if he had stopped praying. Consistent and an expectant prayer. And he didn't say, okay, actually, maybe I need to move from this spot and go somewhere else. He stayed exactly where he was. He had heard. God had told him, I'm going to send rain. He already told him. So he already had that word from God. But yet he stood there. And his servant said, Elijah, there's nothing. He said, go back. And he prayed again. No, go back, go back, go back. A persistent prayer. The prayer, a persistent and heartfelt prayer of the righteous availeth much. If Elijah had to pray like that, some of us were joking, you know. We pray once and then we think, <laughs> pray until you see it. Pray. Elijah prayed and prayed. Although he had heard God's voice audibly that, Elijah, go present yourself before Ahab. I'm sending it to rain. And he didn't give up. He was persistent. He was consistent. Jesus said that if you believe when you pray, it will happen. And some of us, we, we pray and we don't even believe. We don't actually believe. And that's why the Bible is saying there's a type of prayer. There's a heartfelt and persistent prayer. Some of us, you pray out of religion. Just, you know, as a Christian, we're supposed to pray. But it's not heartfelt and it's not persistent. 
But Elijah was connecting with God in that moment where he said, I'm blocking out all of distractions. Some, some things, yes, they're tough. Imagine that you have, to, you have to speak to the clouds to pour out rain. <laughs> some of us will give up already. Rain will start. But that's the kind of prayer that I like. And some, sometimes that's the kind of prayers we need to pray. Literally, you have a physical ailment that needs to go. You are mentally, your mind is everywhere. And you need to have a peaceful mind and a stable mind. You need to pray. You need to get persistent and focused in prayer. And that's the kind of man that Elijah was. So when we look at our prayer lives today, in this day and age, we have pop-ups all on our phone. We have our Bibles on our phone. Then things are popping up when we're trying to read the word. So we're distracted in here. We're distracted there. But Elijah put his head between his knees like he was given birth. I've got two children. I know that focus that you go into at that point of when you're about to push. And that's what Elijah, that's the kind of focus that he had at that moment. He didn't want any distractions. He didn't want to look around and see famine. He didn't want to look around and see drought and dryness to, distract, to discourage him that abundance of rain is coming. You know, sometimes when you look around, you look at your bank account, you see that the, the figures are not where they need to be. Or you look at how your children are behaving and you're like, this is not where they're supposed to. And that, dis, that discourages you to have the faith to actually push on in prayer and see that which you need to see. So sometimes you need to close your eyes and close your ears so you can only hear in the spirit and only see in the spirit. Because if you look around physically, you will stop praying. And God is calling us to pray like that. So if you want to, if you want to move out of your suffering, if you want to move out of your trouble, your distress, your depression, you need to pray. Stop thinking about prayer. And not any old prayers, not any hope-filled. You know, sometimes like, oh, God, I hope you would hope. Or that I hope you will do this. No, God is saying, pray boldly. Speak what you need to see. Elijah told Ahab, go and celebrate. So he already said to him, you go and celebrate. I hear an abundance of sound of rain coming. And then he went to pray. So the next is that you need to be someone who knows how to speak God's word. To have the same language as God. You want healing, but you're always talking about your sickness every day. My, my mom literally, she said to me, let every man be a liar. In that moment, she's, she's had a friend who was in a coma. And the, some parents will be panicking. She just looked at me and said, Jenny, let every man be a liar, including your body. Your body that is trying to tell you you've got meningitis and God be true. And then she just went to go and pray. So your confession. Elijah said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So he's then partnering with God's confession where he said to him, go before Ahab, I'm bringing rain. So now Elijah is speaking the same language. He's speaking the same language as God was speaking, even though he hadn't yet seen it. So he says he heard the rain, but he hadn't started. It, there was no even sign of rain, but yet he was speaking it. So even before your, your deliverance comes, you need to speak it. Life and death lies in the power of the tongue. So you need to speak it. When I had meningitis, literally every exam that I took, I was released from hospital. I had a week before my exams to revise. Um, my exams were Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Not these exams where you have one April 21st, one uh, May 5th. No, my exams was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and that was it. I didn't come out of my exams feeling like, oh, I've done so amazing. But every time I came out, I just said, God, I thank you for my th first class. I was agreeing with what God had showed me. And that's what we need to do, our confession. The, the persistent and heartfelt prayer of the righteous. What, how does the righteous speak? He speaks the language of God. Because he hangs around God. He's with God. He speaks the word. He knows what the word says. He knows what God says. So when God speaks to you, start speaking that same language. And that's how your prayer will start to yield results. We are created in God's image. Therefore, when we speak, we shape our world. So you pray 
pray in your prayer closet and then when you speak, it nullifies and extinguishes all the prayers that you said. Because when you speak, it's just like worry, anxiety, negativity, sickness, illness, depression, hopelessness. But I prayed about it. So you're fighting, you're attacking your own prayer. So one, you need to be someone who confesses and who speaks the word of God. Amen. And also, the type of person that you need to be, obedient. Obedient. Imagine God telling Elijah, go and live in a cave and I'll send birds to come and feed you. You'll be like, God, birds. How big is their beak? What's the portion sizes? Something, and that one is even a major life change. Some small, small things God will tell you to do. Just go to this place, you won't go. Or just do this small thing, you won't do it. God, and sometimes I feel like obedience, maybe it seems like when we talk about obedience, God is a God that is like, just tells us what to do, or dictate. there's no relationship in obedience. But that's not the case. God knows the best for you. And God, imagine God telling Elijah, go to a widow. He didn't even tell Elijah, I'm sending you to a widow that doesn't have anything. He just said, go to a widow and she'll look after you. Then he gets there and then she's telling him, I'm coming to make some small bread for me and my son and we're going to die. And that's who God has sent him to. But Elijah, was, he trusted God so much that he said that if that's what God is, where God is telling me to go, that is the best place for me to be. And so we need to learn to be obedient. So when we pray, listen to God's instruction also. It's not just you telling God, but also listen to his instruction and actually do it. And I read something in my Bible this week that I've never read before, and I thought, wow. That's why I love the word of God, consistent all over. Literally, Proverbs 28, verse 9. I'll read it in two versions. It says that God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. Amplified version says, he, he who turns his ear away from listening to the law of God, even his prayer is repulsive to God. That means people who do not listen to God, they pray, you know. That's what he's saying, saying that someone who doesn't listen to God, their prayer is disgusting before God. So that means there are people who, are, who, who live just like you and I, who pray, they pray about things. When they're in trouble, then they all of a sudden pray to God. But it says that he who does not listen to the law of God, their prayer is disgusting before him. So imagine us who know, who know God, but we refuse to listen to his word. We don't want to do what's in his word. We don't want to live according to you know, the teachings of God. And then we, are, we expect God to, to, to heed to our prayer. But that's why the Bible says that the fervent prayer of a righteous, a righteous man, a man who has a relationship with me, a man who lives a life that pleases me, a, a man who knows me and is in a love relationship with me, that's the kind of prayer that I'm going to obviously just listen to. Their voice registers with me. In August, I, I preached a word um, in our youth convention and um, I got a really powerful revelation where the Bible says that, well, the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? We're talking about obedience. And, and Jesus says that to love God with all your might, might, your heart, your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself, and your strength, sorry, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought, wow, sometimes when you are, you, you say, what's the, if you said to your parents or your spouse, you know, what's the, what's the number one rule? You'll, you'll start to think about do's and don'ts. But here, God doesn't. God just talks about love. It just talks about love. It doesn't talk about do's and don'ts. So when I talk about obedience, it's not just about, you know, doing the lessons of the law. It's about loving God. And what I love about it is that love me with everything. When I married my husband, after we finished the saying our vows and we went to our hotel room, we didn't say, okay, what's your list of do's and what's your list of don'ts? And then we'll, we'll construct our relationship around rules. I learned to love him. For who, I got to know him and I, I understood his heart. I understood what he liked and what he didn't like. 
And it's not now that, you know, if I'm speaking to a guy late at night and he says, Jenny, I don't like that. And I say, oh, but you didn't write that in your rules. That doesn't make sense. But that's what we do to God. Every single thing, we're like, oh, God, but you didn't, you didn't write that in the word. So is that, what's the biblical stance on? Forget that. God is calling us to love him. So you get to know his heart and you, you start to live a life that is pleasing according to him. If you know God, you will know what he likes. You don't need to find every single rule in the word of God, the Bible, and then you live. No, God is calling you to a relationship of love and to, to be obedient to him. So when he gives you specific instructions about what you need to do, you do it. Like when he get told Elijah, go here, go there. And Elijah just did it and he did that. So of course, when Elijah came to pray, God honored the prayer of the righteous. He honored Elijah. So the type of person you need to be is not only just that you need to know how to speak the language of God, but you also need to know how to obey and love God as well. Amen. Last thing is that you need to be a person who is discerning. How do you know when God has answered your prayer? How do you know when it's time to move? How did Elijah know that after the seventh time, it's done? The Bible says that the servant came and said, oh, Elijah, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand. So Elijah said, I've, seen, I've heard an abundance of rain, but this servant is saying, I see a cloud like this coming, rising from the sea. So imagine how small it looks when you look at the majesty of the sea. And Elijah's like, yep, that's it. Elijah was discerning. He discerned that, yes, this was it. So what happens when you hear big, you see big, but you only see small in the physical? Do you guys give up hope and say, oh, God didn't answer me. God didn't do it. God didn't. But that's what Elijah, he discerned. How do you serve? Peace and discernment go hand in hand. The Bible tells us that, um, that in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And then let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart and your mind. So that's how you know. So the peace of God, Elijah knew that this is it. But some of us, we don't let the Prince of Peace rule in our hearts so that everything else bows before him and then all your things that you're praying for rolls in. We don't do that. And so on your prayer list, you need to add, God, give me a discerning spirit. Let me know. Elijah, for example, when he came across the widow, he could have been like, oh, God said that a widow was going to feed me. And if you don't have anything, then it's not you. I must, it must be, you must be the wrong person. And so sometimes because we don't discern, we miss our our, our helper, we miss the things that God is doing because we don't, we're not, we're not, our spiritual senses are not open. So if you want to have a prayer, because Elijah could have missed it, he could have said, but I heard an abundance of rain and you're telling me you're only seeing a cloud that's small as a man's hand. Then no, I need to keep, I need to keep going or this is not the right thing or God, are you sure? Doubting God. And then doubt would have choked that which was coming out, which was being birthed. And so a discerning heart, a discerning spirit is also crucial to have an effective and successful prayer life. Amen. When I had meningitis and my mum had prayed, I'd also done my own prayers. I too had to know that God, I couldn't doubt God. Like I had, I had, no, I had seen what I'd seen. And if God had delivered me, meningitis, people die of meningitis. If I'm released from hospital, I'm able to sit my exams then God, you are surely going to do it for me. As long as I'm able to physically sit them, you have to do it. And I said every day, I thank God. I thanked him for my first class. Until I got my results, I was thanking him. That day, when that day came and I had to check my results on my screen and I got a first class, I came sick in my year. When people had been revived, I had meningitis, so you know, is an infection of fluids that govern your brain and your spine. So my brain has an infection, but yet Cambridge University, I was able to come sick. Even the lecturers, they were confused. But that's what God can do. 
And they literally, when, when I came out, when I was discharged from hospital and they said, Jenny, do you know what? Take the exams. And if you need to defer, we could discuss deferment and all that things at the end. They, would, they just did not understand. How was it? But that's what God can do. But if I just sat there, not prayed, my mom had just, you know, conceded, her confession had just nullified everything that we, we believe on. Because some of this, this is life and death. This is what we believe. This is what we believe. We believe in prayer. We are Christians. This is like our lifeblood. And that's what Jesus said, like prayer is the master key. God is saying to sin, suffering, whatever you are going through, pray. But Christian, the devil knows that if you can take your prayer life, you're a powerless Christian. And that's why every time we want to pray on our beds, the slumber just comes. Every time you want to pray, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that, or you remember your to-do list, oh, okay, I'll come back, and then I'll pray. So prayer is so, so key. I don't know why God it really impressed on me. I was telling my husband, I really feel like I should talk about prayer. And literally, God has spoken. I know I've been in faith life. I've been here. I know that a prophetic word is always coming in faith life. But don't just hear it. Pray it into action. And that's what Elijah did. Imagine God's told him directly, not, not through another prophet. That, oh, God's going to do this, Elijah. God told him, but yet he went, he put his head between his knees. He blocked out everything. And he prayed, sent the servant. 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 I'm even getting tired. He prayed, sent the servant. He prayed until he saw some, he, he discerned that cloud is it. You know, I've heard the abundance of rain. And it says that the, literally the, the supernatural power of God came upon Elijah and he outran a horse and a rider. Even in the word of God, it says that, can a man outrun a horse and its rider? Can you imagine? He outran a horse. These days, I'm on my fitness games. So I run, do my 5K, my 10Ks. Imagine Elijah. Ahab had already gone. And Elijah, the, the, that's the, what supernatural speed came upon his life. And he outran his enemy. And that's what we need. That's what we need in this day and age. We need that. But we don't want to pray. Or we want to do some hopeful prayers. Not a persistent and heartfelt prayer, but just, just to do it because we know as Christians we need to do it. Or we're, we're very fervent in our prayer, but our lifestyle is just, does not match up. But when a heartfelt and persistent prayer is said by a righteous man, much happens. And so I've just come to encourage you, literally this morning, those that are, you know, thinking of like my prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, start today. Start today. Study Elijah. Start today. Your voice needs to be registered in heaven. Just as in um, chapter 17 when it says that Elijah's voice was heard by God. May it be said that Jenny's voice was heard by God. Pastor Mark's voice when he prayed was heard by God. That's how it should be. But if you're infrequent in, in talking to the heavens, then they won't know your voice. And this is not, I'm, this is also for the young people. Pray. This is not just for the olders, the young. When I was 16, when I became saved, I needed to learn how to pray. Because that's, that, that's what Jesus, if Jesus himself had to pray for things to happen. Before he started his ministry, he didn't just say, no, oh God, I know that you sent me here to do the, your work. So I don't need to pray. He went to a mountain, 40 days and 40 nights. Not a small one day prayer. Day after day after day after day after day, he prayed. And then he went into ministry. But we expect to just prophecies had gone before Jesus. In the Old Testament, they already spoke about him. Why did he have to go and pray it? Because God doesn't do anything unless our pe his people pray. So Jesus himself prayed. Before he went to the cross, he knew that he was destined for victory, but he still went to go and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He still knew that I need to birth this. And that's where the battle of the cross was won, when he was praying. But Christians these days, because everything comes quick, easy, 
pop-up microwave, we don't want to pray. We don't want to pray. And if we do pray, then it's a quick, quick, quick prayer that we just need to do. But there's no heart in it and there's no persistency in it. And we just expect it. And then when it doesn't happen, God hasn't answered me. But my body of Christ, my fellow brothers and sisters, God is calling us to pray. To pray like Elijah. To pray like Elijah. 2018, at the end of the year, some of you guys need to testify what things you've birthed in prayer. Literally to see, there's certain things, even my, me and my husband were saying that, there's certain things that have been spoken over our lives that we haven't, we haven't even birthed it in prayer yet. So what are we waiting? We need to pray. We need to pray. And that's one thing I love about my mom, that uh, my parents, they are prayer. They, they know, God has said certain things, but they know that unless they pray, unless they get on their knees and pray, God won't do anything. And it's not that God is a liar. God is not a liar. And God is not a liar. But he needs partners on earth. He needs partners on earth. He needs me and you to pray. And as I said, you could be a righteous man and not pray. Or you can pray. You can pray. Hindus pray. Muslims pray. All those people, they pray. But God says that the prayer, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of the righteous, the Christian, he who believes in Jesus will availeth much. Amen. Amen. So I just want us to be on our feet. My word is, is finished. <laughs>